What's happening, everyone? Welcome into your Friday edition of Final Whistle. I apologize for not doing it my weekly Tuesday episode. Unfortunately, I was backed up with a bunch of stuff at my other jobs. So again, I apologize there. But we've got a Friday edition. We're going to break everything down. We're going to look at the NCAA tournament on the men's and women's side. Look, now that it is the Sweet 16, we're going to be taking some different looks there. Then we're, we're going to focus on it first. Some of the big moves that happened on the NBA tread de- deadline last night. Some major winners and some, some significant losers. We're going to talk all about that. And also, there was a major move for the NFL draft that happened today between the San Francisco 49ers, the Miami Dolphins, and the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll break down that trade and see the implications there as well. But as always, I'm your host, Blaine Spencer, and welcome in to your Friday edition of Final Whistle. So let's break it down for you. NBA tread deadline ended up taking place last night, and there were some moves that ended up anticipating up until 3 o'clock Eastern time that made some interesting noise and some significant noise. So winners and losers for me. Winners. If you haven't heard all yet ready, the Miami Heat, massive winner. You get Victor Oladipo for absolutely nothing. Sorry, Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley, who are a part of that deal. And more than anything, the Miami Heat have moved themselves. They've been playing great basketball, and you made a made a huge piece to come in to really help you make that little push here at a championship. So what do you see here? Again, Miami Heat. Oladipo from Houston. I feel so bad for Victor Oladipo. He cannot find a place to stay. I think that's a part of his, that he hasn't seen, hasn't shown his explosiveness and his ability to score the ball like we've seen in the past before his quad injury. I think he's not as 100% as we think, as we think. But in other words, it's just going to be a unique situation. And you don't lose much because he's an unrestricted free agent. And again, Miami pretty much gave away nothing. And they got, gave away Kelly Olenek, who hadn't been producing. And Avery Bradley had been barely on the floor whatsoever this season. So really, I think it's a win for the Miami Heat. And it also, I think a sleeper of a pickup. They got Norland Belitza from the Sacramento Kings. Another, they pretty much got him for nothing. Belitza hadn't been playing a lot for Sacramento, but he is a big-time stretch four or stretch five that you can put out there. The man has unlimited range. He can shoot the ball. He is a liability defensively, but you brought him in for the offensive prowess, and I think he was also a sneaky good pickup. Another winner, I think, was the Chicago Bulls. And they ended up making an interesting trade. They ended up landing Nikola Vucevic in the trade deadline this and what, how Orlando literally cleaned house yesterday. The Magic gave away Vucevic, Gordon, and Evan Fournier. Orlando conceded themselves for the next five years, saying that we're going to be really bad. We're going to be really bad. Yes, they have been making the playoffs for the last three or four years. Why get rid of that? I mean, yes, you're in the first round. You're getting knocked out in the first round. Of your, you're not making that progress that you want your team to be taking that next step. But who cares? You're in the playoffs. It still gives you an opportunity. You just got to win four out of seven. It's not like one game. It's different. You get four cracks at it, potentially seven cracks at a team to win four times. Come on. I just, I, it was mind boggling to me. And now for Chicago, you pair them up with all star Zach Levine. Vucevich was an all star this year. They're, they've got some pieces now that are really like, if you're a Chicago fan, you are licking your chops thinking, we have a team for the future. It may not be this year, but you have the opportunity now to take that next step. It's going to be really significant to see how this all plays out. So really intriguing. 
And if you guys haven't yet, I got a new mic. So we're using a mic today. I think it's kind of cool. But uh, sorry, jumping away. I, I had to mention that. Um, loser. I think a significant loser was the Boston, Boston Celtics. Yeah, you got rid of Daniel Tice. He had me producing, which is fine. But the man had was doing nothing. You got rid of his contract. Great. Danny Ainge. If you guys hadn't heard anything from me this week, I was on a podcast yet last night on IG Live with What Off Season Podcast and this just in. But I had, we were just mind bottled by what Danny Ainge is doing. And Brad Stevens is going to pay the price. He will most likely lose his job if the Celtics do not make the playoffs. But you have no interior presence on that team. None. Zero. Zippo. I can, I can keep going, but you have none. And you acquire Evan Fournier. So I'll pick up. But you brought in another ball-dominant player on a team that you already have four or five players that are extremely ball-dominant. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, now Evan Fournier. You have a surplus of something you don't need. You have too much of it now. How are you going to spread the ball around? Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's and Kemba Walker's game especially does not fit why you bring in Evan Fournier. You needed an interior player. You got rid of Tice. Yeah, Williams is great. He's a stud. Plays defense. He make, gets rebounds. He is not ready for this stage if you're going to make a run at the playoffs. He is not ready. He's too inconsistent at the moment. He has extreme upside. Don't get me wrong. He has a lot of potential, but he is not there yet. And now you're going to entrust Grant Williams. Grant Williams is probably your best option in the interior. Come on now. Come on, Boston. You botched yesterday, and this is not because of Brad Stevens. And it's unfortunate because the way he coaches the game is finding that extra pass, extra shooter, making, making the ball move around. But now you have four ball-dominant players who are very unlikely to need the ball in their hands a significant portion of the time for the successful and turns into iso ball. Iso ball. And it's, the four of them are not good enough yet to be that kind of an ISO team. Brooklyn's different. You have three of the top 10 players in the planet. That's why Brooklyn can make it work. Three of the top 10 players on the planet. Two of them are in the top five on the planet. That's why it works. It will not work in Boston. You are struggling to make the potentially miss the playoffs. Danny Ainge, what are you doing? What are you doing? You, If Brad Stevens gets canned, you better be canned as well because you take more accountability than he did because it's been your moves that has put Brad Stevens in this position. Get it together. <sighs> Frustrating. I think another big winner, I mean, for me, Denver Nuggets. You were the second best team in the West last year. I mean, you haven't been off to that great of a start. You lose Jeremy Grant. Um, but now you landed Aaron Gordon to fill that Jeremy Grant role. I think it's a really piece that they needed. You weren't getting that production now, but with Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., and you brought in JaVale McGee, too, to be a, an interior presence as a, coming off the bench. 
think the Nuggets really made a move here. And what it costs you, your pick, RJ Hampton, who had really been doing nothing this year. And I think you got, oh, and Gary Harris. Gary Harris has not been the same player since he got hurt last year, since coming back. He hasn't. He hasn't looked the same. But I think in retrospect, what are you going to do? And another loser here, and I'm going to give my final winner. Houston Rockets, you got nothing for Victor Oladipo. You brought in a haul for James Harden, but you could get absolutely jack squat for Oladipo. And it's really unfortunate they really can't. And I was talking about this again last night with uh, we were talking about it, that you could have had Karis LeVert, Jarrett Allen on the Houston Rockets with John Wall, Chris, Kristen Wood, but no. You didn't have enough capital to get to make the James Harden trade work. So you had to go to th- multiple teams. And now Karis LeVert is getting buckets for Indiana. Please shout out for Karis LeVert take, battling cancer and already being back on the basketball court. It's unheard of and phenomenal. Kudos to him. And Jerry Allen has been an absolute beast in Cleveland. So we're going to go one more winner and one more loser. My final winner is, let me see here. Dun, 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 Dallas Mavericks. Why? If you weren't paying attention at the deadline, they got J.J. Redick at the deadline last night. J.J. Redick. They needed a, they needed a piece to be filled. They needed a third score. You brought in an absolute sniper filling in that Seth Curry void after he went to Philadelphia with Doc Rivers. Tim Hardaway Jr. has not been that third scorer they have been looking for behind Porzingis and Doncic. So what do you do? You bring one of the more clutch performers and clutch three-point shooters, not just in the game, in history of the game. He is an absolute sniper, and he's – like a 50, he's one of those 50, 40, 90 guys. It's even probably higher than a 50, 40, 90. He's automatic from the free throw line. He'll help you win games down the stretch. Yes, he's a liability defensively, but offensively, he is lethal, absolute sniper. The Dallas Mavericks made that move that they needed to make because they were lacking perimeter shooting that they had last year. And you bring in JJ Redick, absolute steal by the Dallas Mavericks. And if you weren't paying attention when that trade took place last night, I'm sorry for you, but that was a major deal. And my final loser, the Los Angeles Lakers. Why? Well, let's see. Your best player at the moment, let me think about this, uh, is Kyle Kuzma. Or yeah, I could even argue Dennis Schroeder is better than Kyle Kuzma right now. That's it's bad in the Lakers. And I think there was this one of my buddies, Joseph Ciccoletti, fourth man up. Shout out to the fourth man up. They're doing great stuff over there. But still, he brought this up to me that they have the, a very high chance of missing the playoffs, a very high chance. And to me, I don't see it because I think because of the playing game that they'll be able to sneak in. And then if LeBron James is on the court, they will beat any of those playing teams. But for their potential to be in the make a difference and make a run at a championship is in doubt. 
Anthony Davis is going, and the Lakers are going through a Kevin Durant and the Warriors situation. You have to ensure Anthony Davis's health because he is injury prone, as we've seen in New Orleans. And now you have that issue with that potential calf Achilles injury that Kevin Durant had. And guess what happened? He came back too early and he really hurt himself and put himself out of basketball for a year because of the Warriors wanting him to play. So if the Lakers do that and he gets hurt and it's a bad injury, the NBA is going to be on blast because there is a huge indictment now that will be against for the players. What are you doing? You're just throwing them out there when they're not 100%. We, we need to sell tickets. We need to make sure that these games in the playoffs have great views. Don't give me that crap. It, you will have now have injured two of the top five players on the planet because you've decided to say, we want to win a championship, and that takes priority over our player. So get over yourself. And if they do that, you're in a real situation, and the NBA – could see a huge backlash from the players and the fans. So NBA, take notice. You've got a problem on your hands. Watch out because this could get bad. So if you're the LA Lakers, take it slow. Don't mess with it. So, but let's jump now to some of these bios that took place yesterday. Marcus Aldridge bought out from San Antonio and Andre Drummond bought out from Cleveland. Where are they going to go? For me, Marcus Aldridge, from what I've heard from the people I've talked to, it's almost a done deal in Miami. I've heard they're just only to work, trying to work out money. Like, that's it. I think it's going to, it's almost a lock already. Andre Drummond, it's unique. I think the Lakers need him because Marcus Saul doesn't touch the ball enough for his passing ability to be really important. Andre Drummond's a good room protector, unlike Marcus Saul. I think he would need be, the Lakers would need him desperately. I've heard the Knicks are going to try and make a big push for him. But I, the issue with me is that I don't know if the Knicks are going to be able to hold on. I think the East is weak enough for them to hold on. Julius Randle is an absolute bucket. And I think having Drummond on that squad really hinders Julius Randle's ability to be special. Yes, he's developed a perimeter jump shot to the three-point line. But where he gets his bread is down on the block. Going over his right shoulder with that lefty jump hook is absolutely dominant. And the last destination I think you should probably consider, the Milwaukee Bucks. They don't have a perimeter defender to come off the bench, or not a rim protector to come off the bench. They need a guy that can get rebounds, protect the rim when Giannis is off the court. Brooke Lopez is not that guy. I think Milwaukee really should consider it, but I don't think Milwaukee has enough assets and money to give Andre Drummond that money. So it'll be interesting to see. And if he goes to Brooklyn, then it's completely unfair, and Brooklyn should not lose a game in the playoffs. A game. Because then you have, especially if Kevin Durant comes back fully healthy, you have Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, Joe Harris. I can go on. It will just be absolutely unfair. You're playing with an almost an, old, an all-star team. Pretty darn close. So, really interesting, though, isn't it? So, that was those are my biggest takeaways from the NBA tread deadline.
All right. Let's jump into March Madness. So major things that have taken place. I'm going to give you the Sweet 16 teams on the men's side. There's a team called Oral Roberts, a 15 seed, first team to ever, second team ever as a 15 to make it to the Sweet 16. Absolutely phenomenal. To the last time it happened was 2013 with Florida Gulf Coast. Speaking of Florida Gulf Coast, their head coach is also now the head coach of USC. He's got USC in the Sweet 16. Really intriguing stuff with the Mobley brothers, absolute snipers. Andy Enfield's done a great job with them. And again, the story is and that's been in March Madness has been the Pac-12. I think they had five bids. Four of them were in the Sweet 16. Five, four for five. Doubled any other team. Biggie's got two. The Big Ten, who had nine bids. And people were thinking that they would get four or five teams in the Sweet 16. How many did they get? One. And it was probably the least likely one out of them all. Michigan without Isaiah Livers. I mean, they were the least likely team for me to make it to the Sweet 16. I thought LSU was had them, that they were going to beat them. LSU and came up short. Michigan played clutch basketball. My bracket's absolutely destroyed, and we're not going to go into that because I might be in the bottom, like, 25%. (laughs) That's how bad it is. Yeah. Um, But Gonzaga has handled business two weeks in a row. They're going to be taking on the Creighton Blue Jays. Great story for Creighton. Survived against UC Santa Barbara. UC Santa Barbara had a six-footer to beat them at the end, missed it. Then they handled Ohio after after Ohio upset Virginia. Jason Preston had almost a triple-double against UVA. Two assists short. Kid is special, and his story is special. If you haven't yet, go check out Jason Preston's story behind. He did not have a collegiate offer, and Ohio gave him one at an AAU event, I believe, or some showcase. It was crazy, and now he's a stud. What else is there? Um, USC versus Oregon. Oregon, they moved on, dominated Iowa. It did help them that they didn't have to play their first game. Unfortunately, VCU had multiple COVID cases, and the county shut them down and said, you guys are not going to participate in the NCAA tournament. Heartbreaking for the VCU players, especially after one of the coaches said their star player was crying and saying, this is what I've been dreaming about for my entire life to play in the NCAA tournament. And especially like teams in those non-power fives, like that's their kid's only shot. That might've been their only shot. And it's really, it hurts, it's sad, but unfortunately it's the way 2020 and 2021 has been. It's, it's a shame, but it hurts. USC, again, as I mentioned, Mobley brothers have been absolutely phenomenal. They blew out Kansas in the round of 32. What else do we have? Uh, Baylor. Baylor hasn't missed a beat. The North Carolina team that I thought was going to be in the Elite Eight didn't even make it out of the first round. And then Cameron Kessler decides to transfer two days after the loss. So and it was Roy Williams' first ever loss in the round of, in the first round. It's crazy to think about. Alabama has been phenomenal. UCLA, they got through Michigan State after that 
awful first half. Michigan State was up double digits. That's a big thing, too, that I want to address. Then UCLA came back. Teams, these games have been phenomenal. This tournament, I don't know if it's because we haven't had a tournament, but I haven't had seen a tournament in the last five, ten years that's been this good. So much parity. As I mentioned, there was going to be so much more parity and equal footing on the court because it was only in one area. You've seen that. Teams that have been double digits, I think to start out, and that they were down double digits and they won five out of the first six games, the teams that were behind double digits. That's wild. Teams have, ne- have not been counted out at all. I don't know the Wildcats. They're in the Sweet 16 now. Jay Wright just knows what he does. He can coach the living crap out of his teams. No Colin Gillespie, no problem. We're back in the Sweet 16. They get Baylor. And I think the last one, is the Midwest region. And some of that was pretty, uh, well, Oral Roberts, again, first 15 to do it. They'll be playing Arkansas. They have two phenomenal players. Max Aismas, leading scorer in the country. Kevin O'Banner, averaging 18 and eight. But in the postseason, these guys have been averaging 25, 26 plus a night. I think they're, score, they're scoring over 60, 70% of the team's points, probably even higher than that. Remarkable what those two are doing. And whenever you have two guys that can put the ball in the basket, especially in college basketball, you have a chance. And then you have Loyal Chicago took down Illinois. Illinois had no answers. They didn't even go small until the last three minutes of the game. They could not respond whatsoever to what was happening on the court. None. And Loyal Chicago absolutely suffocated them. Biggest surprise? Got to be the Oregon State Beavers. And as Jeff Goodman says, Tinkle and Hinkle. They played in Hinkle both times. Oregon State shot absolutely lights out, and they've caught lightning in a bottle from the outside. And they beat two solid teams in Tennessee and Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State I had in the Sweet 16 playing Illinois. So my Midwest, brutally. And then, again, Syracuse, once they get in as a double-digit seed, this is the fourth time that they've made it to the Sweet 16 that they've been as a double digit seed in like the last 10 years. I think they've been to the Sweet 16 twice now, in the Elite Eight, and in a Final Four. That's wild. Buddy Beheim has been the second best player in college basketball on the court in the NCAA tournament. I'll talk about who's been the best player in a little bit. But absolutely phenomenal. And the Houston Cougars, just absolute guts. They have not been playing that well, but they've squeaked out wins. They've found ways to win. And that's all that matters in the NCAA tournament. So let's break down these games real quick. I'm going to give you my Sweet 16 picks here and also my Elite Eight picks. All right? So let's take a look here. We're going to have Michigan versus Florida State, as well as Alabama versus UCLA. This is the East region. Michigan, Florida State. Again, I, livers won't play. It'll be unique to see how uh, Michigan can handle Florida State's length. Here, I'm going to lean with the Seminoles. I think they're the better team. I think they're going to have a bit more answers, and their length is going to cause problems. Hunter Dickinson goes over his right shoulder 85 90% of the time. If you take away his right shoulder, Michigan will not be able to score the basketball. I also had Michigan out in the last round, so they proved me wrong already. In Florida State, I had out 
in the first round of UNC Greensboro. So, but Florida State's length has been a real problem. They've dominated Colorado. They beat swiftly UNC Greensboro. I think they've got a real shot there. Then Alabama versus UCLA. Crimson Tide have been absolutely phenomenal from outside. They shot made 19 threes in their last outing out against Maryland. I like the Crimson Tide there. So I've got Alabama, Florida State in my Elite Eight. I'm going to have to choose there. I'm going to roll with the Crimson Tide because I can't think they can, their guard, they have four or five guards that can just take the life out of you. And they can shoot the ball. They can handle. They can pass. They've got it all. They can take it to the hoop. They're, all four of them have complete games. And Irv Jones Jr. is an absolute fiend down low. going to take the Bama there in my final four. Let's move over to the South region. Baylor versus Villanova. You know how this one's going to play out, the Baylor Bears? They're one of the best defensive and offensive combo teams in the country, if not the best team on offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. Villanova's going to have to limit possessions. And I think Baylor's going to be in for a tough time. They're in for a tough matchup. It's, going to, it's not going to be no cakewalk. Not going to be given, not going to be earned. I think Baylor will end up taking, taking them down and get the victory. I think Villanova just does not have enough scoring prowess for it to be handled, if I'm being absolutely honest. So it would be really unique to see how that plays out. But I'm going to roll with the Baylor Bears there. Then I think it's Arkansas versus Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, you've been absolutely phenomenal this season, and I will not write you off. I think they have just as much of a chance as anybody to win tomorrow. So it would be really uh, – or not. I don't know if they play tomorrow or Sunday. I think they do play tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. And then I think you've got a shot. I think you've got nothing to really take away from you. You've got two guys that can put the ball in the basket, and you guys have wrecked havoc, creating tons of turnovers. But whatever Eric Musselman's got doing down there, they just beat probably one of the best head coaches in the NCAA tournament is Chris Beard. He's unstoppable with Texas Tech in the tournament. And they found a way to win. Going to take the Razorbacks there. So Baylor versus Arkansas. Arkansas's uh, magic will run out. I've got the Baylor Bears. I think they've just been too good. And they found what they have lo- what they were looking for after the COVID break. They're finally looking like that team that was undefeated, like 17-0 and before they went on pause. Watch out for the Baylor Bears for sure. Out of the West region, USC versus Oregon, two Pac-12 teams. Shout out to Bill Walton. I mean, he might be able to get – Three team, three of the Pac-12 teams in the final four. Even though he picked five, and there was only four in the four in the same bracket. I'm just kidding, but still, I think they've got a lot of potential here. Pac-12 has been doing playing great basketball, and they've really showcased themselves as the tournament of champions. And I think here I got to roll with Oregon, just because I think Oregon absolutely has dismantled USC because they spread USC out these last couple of matchups, and it's been a real hindrance for USC to try and match up with the Mobley brothers guarding on the outside. So it's going to be really interesting there. I like Oregon over USC. Creighton, Gonzaga. I don't have to say anything. Gonzaga is the best team. I think they'll win by double digits. I don't even think Creighton really has a chance. So Gonzaga versus Oregon. I think Oregon can actually push Gonzaga's buttons a little bit and make it really competitive. But does that mean I think Gonzaga is going to lose? Absolutely not. Jalen Suggs, baller. Drew Timmy, baller. Corey Kispert, baller. 
Andrew Nemhard, baller. Joel Ajayi, baller. Their starting five is absolutely ridiculous. They got five dudes that can take over a game. It's not fair. This team is legit. They're scary. And they're going to win. And they're going to win the national title. I can tell you that right now. But I have Gonzaga there out of the West region in my final four. Next, let's look at the Midwest, which has probably the most parity. We have Loyola, and that's our final bracket, actually, versus Oregon State. I really have no idea what I'm going to go here. I'm probably going to roll with the Ramblers just because of their defense efficiency and because Oregon State will not be playing in Hinkle Fieldhouse, so the magic may run out. But, I mean, Oregon State is going to have to shoot over them, and Loyola Ramblers are so disciplined on the defensive side of the ball. Cameron Crutwick's a beast down low. So... And he can do it all. He can pass. He can shoot. He can dribble. One of the best big men in the country that really does not get talked about. Going to take the Ramblers. Then Houston versus Syracuse. Again, I have, I couldn't. I have no clue. Um, Houston, again, the coveted 2-3 zone. Buddy Beheim's been playing out of his mind for the Cuse. But I'm going to roll with the athleticism of the Houston Cougars. I think this game's going to probably be the closest one out of the bunch because I really have no idea what's going to happen. I think this one could easily come down to overtime or potentially a final shot, but I'm going to roll with the Cougars. I just think that they have, they have the second best offensive rebounding team in the country, according to KenPom.com and hit Ken Palm's uh, efficiency chart. So I think that's a huge factor, especially in two, three zones. The biggest issue when you play a zone is to rebound. So I think Houston will be able to cross the boards and make an impact and make a difference. So there you go. Then you have Houston versus Loyola. Wow. I mean, two mid-majors that aren't really mid-majors. That game will take the life out of you. Game will probably be in the 50s. But I'm going to roll with the Cougars of Houston. I think this is just – this is their best chance that Kelvin Sampson's had since they've – in their uh, school history in recent time to make a chance at the final four, the bracket has opened up for them. And I think they will just do enough. You know, they're going to struggle shooting the ball, but I think again, one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. And I think that will be enough to get over little Chicago. So there's my four. I went Alabama, Gonzaga, Houston, and Baylor. Those are the four teams that are going to advance, and we'll talk more about the Final Four, and we'll see how well I did on Tuesday. Let's jump over to the women's side now as we have their Sweet 16 matchups. You uh, And day one, this was probably the first time in NCAA history. Every higher seed won. They went chalk in the first day of the NCAA women's tournament. The first day. Every team that played – uh, in those round 64 games in the first day, chalk, 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 all the way down. Wild. Mind-bottling. Insane. Probably will never happen again, in my opinion. But I think, some, uh, I think someone needs to put some recognition on this girl's name. It's going to be the first matchup of the Sweet 16. It's going to be UConn versus Iowa. Paige Buchers versus Caitlin Clark. 
If you guys have not been watching the NCAA tournament on the women's side, get to know her name now. You are going to be watching the best 1v1 matchup. They're going to guard each other most likely in the entire tournament, and not entire the women's side, on the men's side too. The best individual matchup. Caitlin Clark has been averaging ridiculous numbers in the tournament. I was reading some stats. I think it was 38 and 6. Absurd. She has been absolutely unstoppable for the Hawkeyes. And again, Paige Buchers is, in my opinion, one of the best player in the country at UConn. And they're both freshmen. So turn on your TV and watch that game. It's on ABC. Because I think you will want to watch greatness. And that's what you're going to get on Saturday morning. Or tomorrow morning now, excuse me. Greatness on the basketball court. I have UConn advancing. I think it'll be a great game, though. I think both players might put up 25-plus. I think it'll be absolutely phenomenal. Next matchup, Baylor versus Michigan, taking the Baylor Bears there. Michigan's had a good run. They've played well, got an upset win in the last round. I just don't think – I think Baylor's defense is just too good there. Next, NC State, Indiana. This is a tough one for me. I think this is the best chance that – and uh, Indiana and I can knock off NC State. I just don't see it though. I'm going to take the Wolfpack there. Here's my first upset. Texas A&M didn't, has not looked good in this tournament. They almost got upset in the first round. Then they had to win at the buzzer in the second round. I think they're probably the most unpredictable two seed that we've had so far. So I'm going to take the Arizona Wildcats to win there. And again, so then the Elite Eight would be UConn, Baylor, and NC State, Arizona. I'm going to take UConn, and I'm going to take the Arizona Wildcats. Those are my two to make it to the Final Four on the women's side. For Sunday's matchups, South Carolina, Georgia Tech. South Carolina hasn't really been pushed at all. Georgia Tech made a good run. They've been playing well. South Carolina is going to win there. Stanford versus Missouri State. Great run by Missouri State. They play really good defense, but Tara Vanderveer and these Cardinals are different this year. This might be one of her best teams to try and win a championship with. So I'm going to take the Cardinals. And I'm going to take the stick with the Cardinals again. You got number two, Louisville versus number six, Oregon. Sedona Prince and the Oregon Ducks have been a great story, especially as Sedona has been one of the advocates about how bad the NCAA has handled their situation because it's been absolutely nothing short of pathetic, which so it's been bad. I mean, I hope Mark Emmerich gets fired because he needs to be fired. It's ridiculous how he's been handling all these situations in the NCAA. So I'm going to take Louisville there. Then Maryland versus Texas. I'm going to take Maryland to advance. So what do we got here on this side of the bracket? I think it's going to be South Carolina versus – hold on. I just want to make sure I have this stuff right for you. Uh, it doesn't matter. I have both one seeds advancing to the Final Four. I've got South Carolina and Stanford. I think these two teams are just too good. Again, Vanderbilt, I think this is a Stanford-UConn national championship that's just been waiting to happen since the season started. These two teams have just been built different. So there you have it. So I did the men's and the women's for you. So let's talk about the last thing we're going to talk about today. And that was the big uh, NFL trade that took place uh, today. Uh, and it's really interesting to see how this unfolded. Adam Schefter broke a blockbuster deal. The Dolphins have traded out from the number three pick. The San Francisco 49ers will be on the clock with the third pick. Then. 
The Dolphins drop back to 12, then they get a third round pick from them and a first round pick in 2022 and 23. But wait, there's more. Miami didn't stop there. They decided, hey, let's, Philly, let's, we want to trade up to number six. And the Eagles drop back to 12, and the Dolphins pick up uh, the number 156 pick as well. And the Eagles get, they're one of their later round picks and one of the rounders that they got from San Francisco for next year. Wild to think about. So let's talk about the implications for these three teams and how I think this is going to play out. At number three, the Niners have now decided that they're going to take a quarterback, even though Jimmy Garoppolo is on their roster. It doesn't matter who goes in the top two. From what I've heard that, and from the sources that I've heard and talked to on the NFL stage, that they are comfortable with anyone at that position. Whatever of the four, whomever of the four of the two quarterbacks that are left potentially, because it's almost assumed that Lawrence is going one. And if Zach Wilson goes two, you still have Justin Fields or Trey Lance there. They said they're completely comfortable with any of the four quarterbacks that are still on the board. So just assume any of the three quarterbacks that are potentially left on the board or two quarterbacks because Trevor Lawrence will not make it past the first pick. But still, so interesting to see how the Niners want to progress there. They're going to probably draft together. They're going to let Jimmy Garoppolo groom, and they're going to sit behind Garoppolo. We'll see how he handles it. It'll be really interesting to see. Again, so now the Eagles and Miami, Miami dropped back to 12, and they now drew back up to six. What, is this, what do I think about this now? I think they're going to go wide receiver because I think they've realized – that one of those three monster players on the outside will be there. If it's Kyle Pitts, if it's Jamar Chase, or if it's Devontae Smith. If I had to pick, I would probably lean Devontae Smith will be their pick. Pair him up with Tua. You have the Alabama connection. They played together. I think that would be really interesting to see. Do I think Jamar Chase is the better wide receiver? Yes. I think Kyle Pitts is better than the three of them. So, but I, I think, that ultimately has decided that Miami is going to go with one of those three players. They're going to go put a weapon with Tua. Their defense is not the issue. Their offense is the issue. And now you're going to put out there a potential number one wide receiver and number one tight end. Kyle Pitts can line up all over the field for you. He's going to be special. So I think out of those three, you're going to get one of the three, and they've accustomed to that. As for Philadelphia, I couldn't tell you what they're going to do. They've fallen back now to 12, but the quarterbacks will most likely be gone. So they're going to actually build around Jalen Hurts that many people thought. Those wide receivers, I don't think, will be there. I think Jalen Waddle will be there. So that might be their move, Jalen Waddle, where you go with an offensive lineman to protect Jalen Hurts, maybe in a Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. That might be their move there. But for the Eagles, I couldn't tell you. But they have so many different needs. They could go anywhere. They can go linebacker and try and get if Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons falls from Penn State. There's so many different options for the Philadelphia Eagles. You can go cornerback with J.C. Uh, Horn, potentially, if he's still there. So many different options. The Eagles just needed to figure out to get some more picks because they have so many issues all over. So it would be really intriguing to see again. So it's, Niners are now third. Miami's six, and the Eagles are 12. Those three teams have moved around in the draft. It's going to be really intriguing to see how that plays out. And I want to thank you guys for tuning into this Friday edition of Final Whistle. I'm Blaine Spencer. Go watch some March Madness. Go watch some college basketball. 
Let's see how the NBA now ends up turning out with the trade deadline. They're going to make that final push for the playoffs. And the NFL draft is right around the corner. Enjoy your weekend, everyone.